With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Howdy, folks. Happy Monday and happy game one of the Stanley Cup final. We have a Stanley Cup final now. Uh, game seven of the uh, semifinal between Tampa and the Islanders went as I expected and as Russ and I both predicted Tampa and seven. And we'll talk about that in a second. Just I'll just uh, throw this out as a pre-show thing. I I drove down to visit some friends downstate. Uh, uh, it was a five-and-a-half-hour drive, Kev, from Buffalo to Orange County, which is about an hour outside of New York, and then turned around the following day and, uh, and drove back. And June in New York, you don't think it's going to be really hot. It's hotter than normal around, around the country. I heard something about it's over 100 in Portland yesterday. It was 95 degrees, um, and thankfully my car has air conditioning. And, you know, so it was extremely hot, extremely uh, bright, so I had to have the shades on. And I'm behind a guy who's on a Harley going 75 miles an hour with his legs, you know, how guys on Harleys are with his legs spread wide open on the foot, on the, uh, the foot rests. And I'm thinking to myself, because I'm behind this guy for about 20, 20 miles. How is this guy's legs not flying off? Yeah. <laughs> 75 miles. I mean, you know, his legs got to be pretty damn strong to sort of stay in place because there's nothing, you know, you got a 75 mile an hour wind from, you know, the, the bike going that fast. It's, it's unbelievable. Yeah, I don't uh, pretend to understand the aerodynamics of uh, motorcycle uh, riding, but I do appreciate uh, how uh, hot it seems to get in New York in the summer, and it is the humidity. I for uh, I think it was 15 years or so. My family every year went to New York in the summer to do uh, you know plays and musicals and stuff. It was just part of our deal, and always I, I was struck by the sweltering nature of the humidity. I live in Michigan where humidity is king, but it just seems like the big buildings in New York city or something seems to hold the humidity. I, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that some meteorologists tell me that's nuts, but it just always felt like the humidity was higher and therefore, you know, the uncomfortable uh, nature of a trip to New York in the summer was always, <laughs> you know, much. So, well, uh, I, I'm I'm thankful that you know Buffalo is uh, it's on Lake Erie and uh, you know Lake Erie isn't the greatest of lakes you know it's not the most beautiful but you get the breeze off the lake and it cools down the temperatures a few a few degrees but I have to say like driving through Central New York and driving through the Shemung Valley like say uh, Elmira New York and it's 95 with not a bit of wind and you step out of the car after you've been in an air conditioned car and it's like it's like being doused with warm like hot water that's how warm it was and it's like you know i'm glad i don't live in these places where it gets up like my a friend of mine lived in scottsdale arizona for years and it was it was 115 in the summer and i'm like you know what shoot me I'm not, I would never <laughs> live in a place like that. No friggin' way. Hey, yeah. guys. 
Hey, Eck, uh, you know, Mike and I look like we just uh, rode in from the Battle of Bull Run, and you look so clean-shaven, and so, uh, um, you know, I don't even know what the word for it is. I'm uh, relaxed, Kevin. You've never seen, you don't see me relaxed all the time. It's um, yeah. I've been on vacation for a week. It's like, it's unbelievable what I've done out here. It's just incredible. I've had so much fun. Um but I have a funny little quick hockey th story related story out here. So, so when Montreal wins the Stanley Cup, we're visiting one of my wife's oldest dear and dearest friends who lives near San Diego. Um, and I'm at the, and I'm at the, um, I'm, at, I'm trying to watch, I'm, 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 I don't want to be rude, but I have to watch what's going on in the game. You know, time wise, it's, it's odd because, of course, that starts three hours earlier out here. So we're in the middle of dinner. And I've got the thing where I've got, you know, my uh, my glass like this and my phone like this behind it facing me on the table. And I'm, I've got the game going there on, in silent mode, but just trying because it's going to overtime. And I'm like, well, I'm sorry, guys. You mind if I just put this on because it's in going to overtime. So the, so the abs win, which, um, you know, and I think of all the all the distress that Mike's under. And then I go um, and I <laughs> when, when Montreal scores the goal and then and then I'm I get a text from my mom because she's watching the game and she watches exciting games. And she's like, my mom's like, oh, my gosh. Canadians, they won. That's great. It's incredible. It's so so exciting. So I'm just like underdogs. She's like, that's great. I'm so excited. And then she's back. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. I forgot you're on the West Coast. I probably spoiled it for you. it's taped laid out. It's 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 played at a different time out there, right? And I'm like, no, mom, it's not. <laughs> it's not. It's not. T it's not delayed like the NBA Finals <laughs> one no. back in the seventies. Yeah, I know. Or the 1980 Olympics, yeah. Yeah, Kevin. It's so, I, it's so funny because she's like thinking that because I'm on the West Coast, the game – was just my mom turns 75 next week. So I'm, I'm just – it's just amazing. Yeah. I was cracking up. Oh, my gosh. That was that was great. But, no, I've seen so many – it's just such a beautiful state out here. Um, well, we've been I, driving I, up the coast. I, I, have to, I have to say this because a couple friends I, – I, I, I did a day trip down downstate to visit a friend who's having his 50th birthday and they had a bunch of people there and you know they knew how they either knew I was a hockey writer or was informed that I was a hockey writer and they asked me who I covered and I said I covered the Maple Leafs and they said oh you have to be so happy that the Canadians won and they're in the Stanley Cup final and I was just I didn't want to ruin the, ruin the mood of the party I just said yeah 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 of course and, that's good <laughs> and quickly walked and quickly walked away and had and took a shot of something just to take the pain away from that Well I'll tell you this what's interesting is Usually, I've been out here before, and um, you know, and just just in general, I don't know if you're getting it. You're probably not getting, but this is not this is not a hockey place. Like obviously, I mean, L.A. has its fans, San Jose has its fans, but we've been driving like we're in Monterey today, so we're going to be the, the Monterey Aquarium today, um, and which is incredible, right? So you know, you won't. We've been seeing people that aren't really hockey fans. Um, they're people who used who we used to know. My wife lived out here when we were dating. And um, but they're talking about Montreal, like it's a story. It's a story, like that these people are like they're saying that this is like, oh yeah, you know Montreal. That I, I can't believe they're they're winning. You know, they first of all in San Jose, I find out, I just I'm finding out how much they hate the Vegas Golden Knights. Like there's a there's a huge <laughs> the party we were at last night. The the hatred for the Vegas Golden Knights is very real out here among San Jose people. Because um, my uh, my wife's try this. My wife's husband's my wife my wife's husband my wife's friend's husband there you go there that's it my that's wife's better. husband yeah because your yeah. wife's husband actually you actually my wife's best friend's husband um was talking to me and their kids are on a real big travel team that's coached by um it's like the mini sharks or whatever it's coached by nabakov um the junior shark yeah 
Owen Nolan, and mm-hmm. um, and 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 one other shark that the more obscure I can't remember his name, but those those are the coaches of the team, you know. And he was talking about how you know great they are and how, how much fun it is to Nabaka was such a great guy. Obviously, we know Nabaka; he's such a great guy, and he's their coach. And uh, Patty Marlowe's kids on this team, so it's it's really uh yeah, it was just it was just a lot of fun. But anyway, let's get into this because we got to go. Yeah. Okay. I've, Probably about a half hour before. Probably could leave about twelve, about one fifteen, go ahead, or ten fifteen to me. Hello, hockey world. It is God. I don't know, the date. Jeez, that's a good question. It Hello, is Monday, Monday, June twenty eighth, <laughs> two thousand and twenty one. I'm Michael Agello. I'm Kevin Allen of Hockey Buzz, but I really enjoyed that the uh, the way you just phrased that uh, the date. Uh, what the, what is the date today? So, uh, absolutely, vacation time. You know. Um, and I'm Eklund, you're watching Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com. This is a podcast that comes to you Monday through Friday and has been doing a great – you guys are doing a great job without me. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I will be back in Philly on Wednesday, so I'll be back full-time after that. We're talking rumors, 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 because we're going to have a lot of them. Um, but, uh, yeah, let's, today we have to – go ahead, Mike. Yeah, I was going to say, let's, let's start with uh, the Islanders because they lost – in game seven, one nothing, a rather exciting, even though it was only one goal. And I think we just have to touch on them first, Kev. Yes. Um, because, you know, I mean, I've been a critic of the Islanders and, you know, I picked against them in, I think, every series. And finally, I was right. Um, but I, you know, have to give them a ton of credit because they're the type of team that I would aspire any team that I was rooting for to play like they play with heart. They play with soul. They, I think they went to the extreme edge of what, where their talent could take them. But in the end, what I think Russ and I said from the beginning of the year came back to bite them at the Anders Lee injury killed them. Paul Mary scored for them in the first few rounds. Didn't really score for them that much in round three. And in the end, they didn't have enough offense to win the series. So, uh, I mean, I think that that's something that Lou is going to have to concentrate on uh, in the offseason because there's a lot of talent there, but he's got a lot of free agents, a lot of question marks, and they need to score more to be able to play that type of game and win in the playoffs. Well, um, you sounded like a coach there. I mean, they took a team that won the Stanley Cup to a Game 7 mm-hmm. conference final. I, I, I think they acquitted themselves well. Yes. Um, they could have easily have won Game 7. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think it's an indictment on the way. On the way no, I, 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 I don't I don't yeah, mean it to lost by one goal and he gave seven. <laughs> I don't mean it. I don't mean it to sound. Like I mean, that. That's how it comes across. I, like, I, know, I know. Like there's something really wrong with that team. Like, Sometimes changes not, shouldn't be made. You know. Yeah. Like, there's not, there's not anything wrong with the Islanders team. I mean, yeah. Do they need more offense? Well, sure. But every team has uh, like they're better defensively. So if 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 Tampa Bay would have lost that, would we have said? Well, Tampa Bay's got to do something about their defense, uh, you know, because the Islanders aren't good. So I, I really like where the Islanders are at. I think, um, you know, it, it does show um, that uh, Lou Lamarillo has done a really masterful job of preparing a team that actually um, plays very well in the postseason. Like, it's a little lacking in the regular season. I think that's where the goal scoring comes in because, yeah. you know, the team we watched down the stretch, as we all talked about, was nothing like the team we saw in postseason, uh, where they, they struggled to score goals, and because uh, it's hard to maintain that level of defensive excellence for an entire eighty-two game season. So mm-hmm. I, I do think they are going to try to get you know more goal scoring, um, but 
you know, I hardly thought it was something they could have, you know, foreseen and said, oh, boy, you know, if we would have gotten the 20 more goals. I, You know, I think they're pretty happy with the way they played, and they could have easily won that, uh, and then we wouldn't have said they didn't get enough goals. For, until that 8 nothing game, they were actually outscoring the Lightning. Nine, yeah. nine, you know, so. Right. I, I, th- I think Lou did all that he could. I mean, at the deadline, he gave up a first-round pick and a couple sort of B, B-level prospects to get Zajac, who he knew from New Jersey, and, and Paul Mary. You know, uh, Lee he doesn't was- do if is hurt, you know. Yeah. Isn't oh, right. hurt. Yeah. And he couldn't have done, obviously, because of the money. But just like to oh. me, I mean, if they could find a way to keep Paul Mary there, that would be great. Obviously, yeah. he's a great and they lost Wallstrom too, who was scoring for them in the playoffs. Yeah. But remember, Eck, I'm the one. That'd be good for one goal, Mike. <laughs> right. But remember, Eck, I'm the I'm the one who, before the deadline, and this might be an indictment on me, said, "Why bother trading for Palmieri? You're not going to be able to win without Anders Lee." They did get to Game right. Seven of the semifinal, but I think that was based on the fact that they got great goaltending from Varlamov, and they played stifling defense, and they knocked players out of the series that they played against playing the rough style that they yeah. played. That's, you know, that worked for them, but I think in the end they just didn't have enough offense. And, you know, Lou is Lou knows what to do, and he'll go out and try to find somebody. There's a lot of offense out there in free yeah. agency. Uh, and I mean, he can just take a tweak here and there, you know. To me, like, they won – they won the season by winning their final game in that building too. Like that, that game winning game six, that that's such a, was such a emotional, crazy victory, you know, um, that had to be just to be in Nassau Coliseum for that. That would have been, that would have been something like that's, that's one of those things you'll always remember if you're there as a fan, I would have loved to have covered it. If I you know could have at all, it would have, um, it was just that, that to me was such an emotional game. So incredibly fun. Um, and yeah, to win your final game in a building, you know, that just means something like we always talk about, you know, that only the only team that gets to win their final game is the Stanley Cup champion and teams that don't make the playoffs, you know, <laughs> like yeah. that's, that's how it well, works. Right? Know, Everybody the, loses. the only, uh, um, you know, my thought prevailing thought down this the stretch of that game as I was watching the end of it was uh, if the Islanders score, they're going to win in overtime. Right. Like, yeah, I, I, I really felt that. That's why I'm saying it. I, you know, I just don't share your analysis of, you know, what, you know, that, you know, they should have saw this coming. They didn't have enough. I mean, they lost by. No, I, mean, I, I, I don't. I, I, I'll admit, I'll yeah. admit when I'm when I'm wrong. But I just, you know, I'm just saying. In the end, I thought that they were going to be undone by their by their lack of offense. And you know, the thing is, they were a bounced puck away from tying that game and going to overtime. Barzil on that one timer right at the side of the net could have very yeah. easily scored. I know. So, okay, I'm, so I'm watching that. Understand how I'm watching that game. I'm in the backseat. We're driving up the coast. This beautiful scenery, like mountains on the right, ocean on the left spotty internet you know at best but i'm but i'm in the backseat because i you know, I have to watch the end of the game and I'm, I'm i'm only i didn't watch that whole game i only watched like the last 10 minutes of it because i would keep checking on the scores but when i saw it was one nothing i'm like i gotta zoom i gotta watch the last 10 minutes of this game so and so it would freeze on me every couple seconds and i and and so as they have the goalie pulled with like the end it would like it froze with that bars all with with the puck on the stick like looking like oh my gosh he's gonna score this you know this is gonna go in and i sat there for like 45 seconds waiting for that play to happen <laughs> as we're driving up the coast and my little, little circle thing spinning in the middle of my screen, you know, as, as Barzil sitting there with a net, with a net, I'm like, Holy hell, this is going in. And I'm showing my kids. I'm like, look, what do you think happens next? This is kind of fun. Right. And it, you know, it unfreezes. And of course it doesn't score. Uh, it was just funny. 
Um, all right, but let's move on. Let's move on to the Stanley Cup Finals. Um, Kevin, usually you and I have like a lunch today, you know? Um, yeah, no, we, we do. Yeah, it's, it's weird that we're not there. Uh, I know, it's so and, strange. Uh, um, COVID yeah. year, you know, but hopefully next year we maybe we can be back. Um, but, uh, but Russ Russ is there. Russ is there, yeah. Russ is our he'll, representative right now. He'll be, on the show to, he'll be on the show tomorrow, and I'm going to have to chide him because he just posted a picture of Waffle House down in Tampa, and I'm extremely <laughs> jealous because I would want to go there uh, either for breakfast, lunch, or dinner. You know, and, oh, well, Waffle House. You know, I've said this before, I believe, on this show, but I, I'll repeat it because I think it's very important for people to know is – um, you know, if you don't have the $200,000 to send your child to get a proper education at a school, what I really suggest to you is for a week straight, you send your kid to the Waffle House at 2 a.m. <laughs> sit there between 2 and 4 a.m. and they will leave that restaurant fully educated about life <laughs> because so much happens at the Waffle House. That's awesome. I love that. Oh my gosh, you're so yeah. right. And you can save yourself two hundred thousand dollars. That's all you need. That's all yeah, you need. yeah, yeah, for sure. I listened to a great pod podcast by John Hodgman, who is like, um, I don't know if you know who John Hodgman is, but he was the and I'm a Mac, I'm a PC guy. He was the PC guy of that. Um, so kind of like remember those commercials. John Hodgman does this, has this great podcast called Judge John Hodgman. What he does is he gets two people on who just argue their points about stupid things and he decides who who wins like it, it, and there was a couple on about that was i was arguing the other day about the waffle house's merits and it was just that's why i can't think i couldn't help but think of it really funny like this guy thinks they should go to the waffle house once a week and his wife says no we should not we should never go to the waffle house <laughs> and they debate it back and forth for an hour and he comes up with his decision it's really worth listening to well uh, you know i've got my waffle house education and i got it at that time because in the 1996 olympics in atlanta yeah, um, our uh, we were staying out uh, about uh, about 15 miles outside of Atlanta, and when we were wrapped up for the day, uh, I was actually um, covering the dream team in basketball. It was the Summer Olympics, not the winter, right. and uh, I was he uh, <laughs> was our main NBA writer, and I was writing sidebars and stuff. So we wouldn't get out of there till one or so, and then we'd all go down to the Waffle House. There'd be about eight writers, and <laughs> I'm so fascinated by every night we'd have something different happening where I, where, you know, just drew your attention, to the conversation or who, who the people were or why they were there at two or two o'clock. Oh yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So. I, that's that. I have so many stories that I'm going to tell when I get back from this. Oh, I, 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 I was so let's get into the show. We got, we got to get into this. We got to get into this. So um, here we go. Um, Montreal, Tampa. Um, this is, this to me is, is, it's just it's just one of those classically fun series with so many interesting things going on it um, going on with it, and this is the typical like you know does it end here for the Cinderella team which it, it tends to you know what I mean it feels like this this is a lot of times Cinderella teams do make it to this kind of level like I think of teams like the Minnesota North Stars against the Islanders years ago mm -hmm. um, or the Vancouver Canucks I guess against the Islanders years ago was it the Islanders they played yeah eighty was, eighty two yeah these teams that have these unbelievable runs. Um, yeah, but, and but, I mean, but but that I mean that team was both mostly uh, Richard Brodeur standing on his head. For right, 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 right. Or was it McLean? I'm thinking. I think McLean standing no, on his head. No, was McLean was 94 against the Rangers. It was Richard. Oh Brodeur. yeah, but he also McLean's run, Vancouver's run that year was incredible too. So yeah, so this is this feels like one of these things. But in a way, and in a way, it doesn't. It has this interesting kind of. Um, there's a couple stats I want to throw out there that I thought they were just incredible about this. Um, and the one stat that just strikes me. 
and I'm, I'm sure it's been talked about everywhere, but if, if you haven't heard it, it's incredible, is that is the amount of goals the Montreal Canadiens have given up in the first period in the playoffs, which is like an unbelievable number. Um, they have given up three goals in 16 games in the first period of the playoffs. Three, three goals. So that's the equivalent of giving up one goal every five plus games or like basically in, in the first period of, of the playoffs, that's like basically giving up one goal in each series in the first period of the playoffs. If you think about it, it's just, it's an astonishing number that, that, that goes towards, towards the, the, the actual essence of what the Canadians are. And when I said they could beat the lightning, when I said, I thought they could beat the, um, the Vegas golden Knights, I said, I thought they could do so by, by the, the because the, the Achilles heel, of the Vegas golden Knights was, the fact that they could get frustrated by a goalie and could shut down. And they shut down against Dallas the year before. Um, to a degree, they shut down against San Jose, but even though they ended up winning that series. Um, but, and that's what happened. Vegas, I mean, without Pietrangelo, Vegas wouldn't – that series could have been over really quickly. Um, this – Tampa doesn't have that. Tampa doesn't, Tampa's not intimidated by Carey Price. You know, Tampa knows Carey Price inside and out, right? They, they, this is a, this, these are divisional foes in the before days, you know. These, these know they know each other. But I do love I do love the uh, the essence of the fact that Tampa's if Tampa has an Achilles heel, you know, which I don't know that they do, but if they do, it it would probably be tied to you know how Columbus beat them two years ago, which they've sort of have figured out how to play against. Um, but also the fact that you know so the Jackets in the bubble almost beat them that way, and really I think the team that came the closest to beat the two teams that came the closest to beating them in this playoffs really did the same thing, which is Florida and the Islanders, which is. You know, Florida, especially though, because the Islanders play a different way. But Florida throwing everything at the everything at Vasilevsky all the time. Just just Vasilevsky's not. You're not going to score a normal goal on him. Put it that way. But you're going to score a goal. You can you can get to him with weird goals and um, and hard work. And I think Montreal's pretty good at that. Um, however, you know, at the end of the day, I, I'm gonna, like, you know what I've said in the last two series, guys. I've said that I thought it would it, at least in the Vegas and Toronto series. I both I said the same thing. It would be Montreal in seven. Or Vegas and Toronto, or Vegas slash Toronto in five. Like it would go quickly. Montreal would win it in the long run. This one, I'm going to change that a little bit to say, Tampa in four or Montreal in six. Um, and that's, that's how I feel. But if I have to make a call on this one, um, I, I am going to go with Montreal in six, just because I feel like this is there's something to that. Um, you know, I mean, and the penalty killing, the great, they've, they've not giving up a power play goal in 30 attempts versus this juggernaut of Tampa power play. There's so many great things, but um, that's my thought, Kevin. Or Well, I just kept before, uh, Russ, yeah, yeah, yeah. Russ gave me his, uh, his uh, prediction, which was Tampa in seven. Okay. Uh, Kevin, go ahead. You go. Next. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think of this, a lot of times I think um, series lend themselves to really complex analysis because, um, you know, especially in the modern game, uh, the level of sophistication yeah. we now have. But this series, to me, it seems very simplistic. Uh, it reminds me um, of, uh, you know, what Pete Rose used to say about hitting. You know, <laughs> ask him, you know, how do you get so many hits? And he said, see the ball, hit the ball. Like, <laughs> we, we want to make this, you know, seem complicated. When really, I think this is just a classic the Montreal Canadiens are playing very well defensively, and Tampa Bay is a terrific offensive team. And they, both these teams are going to work hard at what they do, and whoever works the hardest and executes the best is going to win it. I, I, you know, I don't think Tampa, Tampa Bay is good defensively, but not like Montreal. 
and Montreal, you know, can score some goals, but certainly not like uh, yeah. Tampa Bay. So it really does come down to a, a classic confrontation. Both the goalies are are outstanding. Um, you know, Best goalie matchup and, and, in a long time. I remember I used to talk to Dean Lombardi when he was in San Jose, and I love talking to Dean because, uh, you know, he can make uh, hockey uh, seem like, uh, you know, physics. Like it's <laughs> really complicated. And I remember at various times in a conversation, I wanted to just stop. And like if we, if I was in his presence, I would have raised my hand and say, you know, Dean, just get one more goal than the other. <laughs> all we're trying to do here. And that's what I say about this series. Yeah. That it would, you're just trying to get one more goal than the other team, and that's what I think is going to happen. I think it's just going to be the the clash of the defense versus the offense because the goaltenders are both very good, yeah. and uh, you know you can talk about. I mean, every series, especially when we get in the final, we start talking about always oh, vulnerable glove side. Or he's he's not so good down low. Yeah, you know, everybody's got a book on everyone else, but these guys, these guys are among the best goalies because you know they're they're not as uh, predictable as people think they are so yeah i take it's defense versus offense and uh um it'll come down to that every game it'll just be uh, the the clash of uh, who can outwork the other team but what's your pick you got to make you got to go out there uh i'm i'm still tampa bay in six damn in six okay excellent excellent mike um first of all i think you know, the, the the stat that you talked about in terms of first period goals. I mean, the, the Canadians have been scoring the first goal. I think it's up to th- of the 16 games. I think they've scored the first goal in 12 or 13. Yeah, something like that. It's crazy. And the only teams that have – Vegas beat them in that comeback in game four. But before that, the only team that had beaten them after they scored the first goal was Toronto in game two in the first round. Yep. Yep. Um, I think that, you know – Everything that Kevin said is is dead on. I mean, it's a great goaltending matchup. Uh, I think that the health of Kucherov is extremely important. Uh, now, you know, Tampa's got enough offense, even if he's at a diminished capacity, and he was sort of tongue-in-cheek uh, yesterday when uh, um, somebody asked him about the state of his injury. He says, what injury? I don't know what you're talking about. You know, we know he's injured. We don't right. know exactly what it is. We think it's a rib injury. <clears throat> that That is something that hurts – Every time you breathe, every time you move your arm with a with a rib injury, um, you know. But him on that line with Point and and Pilot, I mean, if they're at the, if if they're anywhere close to being at their top level, that's a a difficult challenge for Montreal to shut down. But you know, they get enough offense from some of the other lines too. And I think the you know the feistiness of Tampa. Tampa is a brilliant offensive team and a team that has enough sandpaper to combat a team like the Islanders and like Montreal. You had the Maroons and the uh, Goudreaux and Coleman's uh, bouncing back against guys like Sezikis and Clutterbuck and Martin in that Islanders series. So I think they're prepared for what Montreal can bring, uh, and I think it's going to be a tight series. Now, I, this is an homage to Corinne, who we had on the show on Friday. I will yep. I will stick with my prediction just for uh, obvious reasons. I will take Montreal in four games. <laughs> I will take Montreal in four games simply to curse them, but that's what I'm going to do. Montreal- <laughs> oh, boy. I, I think the third – I think the – I think one of the things is going to be – the key to this series to me is going to be Tampa's third line if Tampa's going to win. 
Like I think that that Gord Goudreau Coleman line, right? Is it is I think, is that there has not been a third line that Montreal's faced like that. Like they're, they're in, the, in so far, like Montreal has faced teams with the, the solid top lines, of course, but they haven't faced any third line close to that. That third line is going to be hard for them to deal with. They play the style they play is a hard style to play against. And they started to get it together in towards the end of the Islander series and they started to come on, you know, and it's always that's something that scares. Like I think was the gorgeous scored the only game in the Islanders in the one nothing game. Yeah, Plus, scored. Yeah. yeah so shorthand you can see that line coming together and that that is if that line can because you kind of I kind of think I kind of believe in Deneau now that he can stop Kucherov. Like I kind of have this feeling like Deneau, that Deneau line can stop that line. Well, he'll try to stop point, but Kevin, what I think what, what I think Montreal has been extremely successful at is you know analyzing the 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 uh, uh, inconsistencies or the soft spots of their opposition and beating them into the ground. And I, if I'm Montreal. Um, they're going to probably lay the body on Victor Hedman as much as they possibly can because he's hurt, uh, and and on Kucherov. Uh, and if they do that, they might knock them out of, or at least make make them less effective. And if they do that, that's two of the you know three or four key players for the Lightning. Yeah, no, that, I'm sure they will. I mean, and this, you know, I, I view this as an old school style of series because of the offense versus defense. But you know, it's always an NHL tradition to target the guys who are injured. And um, yeah. it seems like uh, you know, and I don't know this for sure because you never quite know. But it doesn't appear like uh, Lightning have more beat up guys than Montreal. I, yeah, it does. It does. It does. I mean, I think they, the Islanders. No one. The Islanders are just tough. You know, they really took a lot out of them. Well, one one note. Uh, I just saw an update of it. Uh, Joe Armia was, it was questionable. He was in COVID protocol, but he apparently is on his way to Tampa and he could play tonight. So that must mean that he did test negative. Uh, Jake Evans was possibly, possibly going to replace him. So Evans, uh, you know, he's an extra skater and Montreal, you know, has some options if, if Armia is not okay, but, um, you know, so I mean that's good news for Montreal that they they're not losing anybody. You know, they, we saw players in the NBA got hit uh, with COVID, uh, yeah. coming into the semifinals. So you know, lo- not not losing a player is a good thing for Montreal. Can we talk about one of the underrated things of this of this whole playoffs, and that is Luke Richardson? <laughs> like, I mean, like what he's what he's done now. You know, and we know that you know obviously he's talking to the Montreal coaches in the in COVID. He'll be back, I guess, by Game Three. They say, but um, but but. This, I thought the stuff that he did against Vegas, like some of the last minute decisions on like who to put out at certain times, which are not, you know, that's, that's got to be all Richardson, right? Like that's not like a, you know, you know, you can't call up the coach and say, who should I put out right now? Some of the moves Luke Richardson did against Vegas, some of the matchups were just so brilliant. I mean, it, it really was just, I mean, he deserves his stock going up, like as far as like a head coach goes. And, you know, I, I don't. I don't even understand why he's never gotten a job. Like people yeah. have always said really good things about him, and yet he's never really listed among the leading candidates. I know he's had some interviews for jobs in yeah. the in the past. I mean, really, he was like when around being around him in practices and stuff like that as a player. Like he looked, like he was a coach then. You know, like you, you you could tell like he acted like a coach then, and he acted like a coach on the bench. He was a huge part of the Flyers there that team and and helping the defense as a coach. He was just you could tell he was going to be a coach and. The interesting thing about that, you know, it's just, I mean, the coaching decisions made by Montreal not to play Caulfield for the first three games, you know, and then, you know, then Richardson takes, it's, it's been a bizarre 
offseason for the coaching of Montreal. I mean, they've gotten they've gotten these guys in because other guys got hurt. I mean, without Caulfield, they're nowhere, right? Caulfield has been Caulfield is a huge huge factor right now. Well, I mean, Just, it's it, it's always it's always design and it's always happenstance. If Jake if Jake Evans doesn't get hurt in game one against Toronto, Kutkaniemi does not get in and Kutkaniemi has scored some key goals. Um, if they didn't struggle offensively in the first two, first three games against Toronto, they probably don't put in Cole Caulfield. They do. And now he's, you know, they're one of their more dangerous players. Now, you know, the thing is, I, I have to say, Tampa is the better offensive club, but Tampa proved in that Islander series that they can play. You know, if you want to play tactical chess like hockey, we can do that. That was what game seven was. They won that one is huge. Yeah. So, right. and that is that is the difference between this Tampa team and the Tampa team that got beat by Columbus a couple years ago. Like that, this team has learned that since then. That is that's what they learned well, in that series. I also think they're grittier. Yes. Yeah. I mean, right. that, that's a bigger factor than, yeah. But, you know, every loss, you know, paved the way to be here because you learn more about yeah. than by winning. So, yeah, I mean another factor. I don't think you can underestimate. Remember when we had the when we had no hockey for a long time? It was all, all the fun that that was during COVID last year. And we did we did the um, we put together our greatest teams of all time. And we had we were sitting here, and I was talking about the greatest Montreal Canadiens goalies of all time. And the debate was, you know, between the top three, which was really hard to come up with two between Plant, Watt, and Dryden. You know, those. I mean, and and you're sitting there saying Price is amazing, but you can't put him in that car- in that group. You know, you just can't put him in the group for me where Plant. Well, and Dryden, and and even if he wins a Stanley Cup, I don't think he gets back. He gets into the top three. He probably doesn't still. But at the end of the day, um, you can tell. I mean, his reaction to that game-winning goal when he puts his hands on his head like this, like he, we were getting no reaction. You know, Price almost never reacts. Just putting his hand, putting his hands on his head to me was him saying, "Am I actually going to have a chance to play for the Stanley Cup with this team?" Like I, I think that like after after seeing the team, you know the level, the, the direction it had been going for five years, you know he's a great goalie who knows that his only way to maybe be maybe be considered with those guys that's, is to win a cup. That's that's what everybody's saying right now. Nobody. I know, but, Price, but, but to me, Price is such a frigging crazy competitor that that is something that you can't underestimate in this series. Like Price, Price has another level beyond what we've seen now. If there's whatever other level Price has, we're gonna see it. Like I mean, it's already been amazing, but if, if there's another level, Price has that ability to win a Stanley Cup and add that to his collection of things, which is what he wants to do, obviously more than anything else. The one, the one thing I, I think that uh, is not going to happen with Tampa is what happened against Vegas that you pointed out. Act Vegas got sort of yeah. psyched out by Price, yeah, and, and you know, psyched out by the legend. And you know, they they gave up the first goal. Oh my God, we're gonna have we, we're not gonna be able to win this game because we can't beat Carey Price. Well, Tampa plays this guy all the time, so he, they respect him. They think he's a great goaltender. Yeah. They may think he's a Hall of Famer, but that yeah. I, I don't think that they're intimidated by him, and that <laughs> that that could go a long way. He's a Hall of Famer, Mike. No two ways about oh, it. I mean, I, I, I'm just I'm just laying down. Yeah, but- but, but no, and I agree with you, Mike. I wrote that in my article too because I think that they have they have played against Price before, and Price has a now the last eight games these teams have played, which is hard to say. I mean, obviously they didn't play this year, but two last two years Tampa's owned them. Um, they're they're seven and one against them. They've outscored them like thirty four to fifteen. It's like this has been all Tampa, and when they played each other, so they they're not a, they're not intimidated by Price or Montreal. That's for sure. They're looking at this like wow, you know. 
in game seven, you know, they're watching game seven, they duck or whatever, like whatever, you know, was whatever game, you know, again, that Vegas series, Tampa wanted to play Montreal, I would say. Like, I think that was a, that was a much easier battle for them, perhaps. But Kevin, I have a question for you because I agree with what you're saying. Old time, old school series, great defense versus great offense. That that is a phenomenal thing. But I think that normally, normally, you would say if a great defense meets a great offense, that you would give the edge to the great defense. Yeah, but I think this is a little bit different um, because um, this offense that that Tampa ha- has is you know not been like they were only tenth in the league in scoring. Mm-hmm. Um, right. I right. think it's a, it's a different kind of offense. By that I mean, you know, it's it's proven in the playoffs. Like it's a playoff offense. You know, yeah. I mean, Braden Point was good in the regular season. He's been unbelievable in the in the playoffs, and now he has a pattern of that. Yeah, um, and so I think that's why I see it as um, um, you know advantage uh, the Lightning on this, just because their offense is is a playoff offense as opposed to just a really good offensive team. Um, mm-hmm. So, but like I was surprised when I looked it up in the regular season that they were that far down in terms of scoring, but you know they didn't have Kucherov. Right, and he's there now, and and he's enormous. I mean, yeah. and and here's the, here's the thing about that too. Like, when to talk about, you know, if you ever want to make an argument to your to your youth hockey kids that team hockey wins hockey, which is which it so does, obviously, um, you can sit back and say that the leading scorer on either of these teams would be Braden Point, and he was thirty seventh in the NHL. <laughs> All right, so you know we're not looking at there's no leading there's no big scorers on either of these teams. Well, you know, I remember when I was the kid, and they used to call it the second season. And I, you know, uh, I was, you know, I kind of roll my eyes a little bit. You know, like it become like a cliche, like, you know, yeah, it's a different kind of hockey. But you know, when as I got more involved in it, it really is. It's like mm-hmm. night and day. Like there's no comparison. Like the team, the Montreal team playing now doesn't remotely resemble the <laughs> no, no. team that we saw in the regular season. The New York Islanders team that pushed, you know, came within a goal when it, that's nothing like no, that. Team. No. Uh, you know, teams are just completely different in the postseason, And if you're not, you're not going to be successful. But I, I think that to me is the most fun thing about covering the Stanley Cup finals in general live is you, you know, you watch these teams in the regular season live and then you don't see them again. But once you've seen, when you see a team playing in the Stanley Cup finals, you see like this incredibly crazy confident team that you just can't, like you say, they, they, they don't resemble at all the teams you saw that, that if you saw that team in the regular season, there's just no, and, and they, they, they become different. Like this changes them forever. And I mean, I wonder if the younger players in Montreal are going to be awestruck by playing in the Stanley cup finals and Tampa has been there before, but I, 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 I mean, um, well, I, I think, you know, guys like Kotkaniemi, I mean, Caulfield might be awed by the situation, but he doesn't lead on that he is because he seems like a very confident kid. And Kotkaniemi and Suzuki had the, you know, a couple rounds last year. So they, they you know, I think I don't think they're intimidated. Yeah. But the thing is, I think it's because we talked about this on Friday. I think it's becoming more common nowadays to see players like Claude Lemieux who they don't mail it in in the regular ser- regular season but they pace themselves they don't seem to like okay I'm not gonna like go in, in fifth gear for 82 games and maybe the shortened seasons the last two helped that situation out maybe you can't do it through an 82 game schedule and then just turn yeah. it on 
playoffs, but we've seen Corey Perry in two playoffs with two different teams do the same damn thing. He was arguably one of the best players on Dallas and has arguably been one of the best players on the Canadians. And both times he had terrible regular seasons where he really didn't do much, but he knew when the game counted and he say, I think he saved his energy and then he turned it on when he needed to. And look what happens. If I'm a team out there, better for in the playoffs, he's been better for Montreal than he was for Dallas. Like he had a couple of really good games for Dallas. He, you know, he's been noticeable all the time in this for the Canadians. It's it's pretty amazing. Actually. I mean, he's becoming like the, like if I'm a team next, if I'm a team to sign him next year, you know, um, I sign him if what and I just I think that man he's a great friggin' trade deadline guy. Like you yeah, can right. you find a team that thinks they need the one more player to go like you to Tampa Toronto's out there and they want to pick up well, I, to me that's just like that's the guy. But what makes him valuable for that for a team like Montreal and for like less so for Dallas. For Dallas, I think he's making a couple million a year. He signed with Montreal for seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars. So you're getting some yeah. a league minimum deal that has been that impactful. You know, that's probably what the Leafs thought they were getting with Joe, somebody like Joe Thornton, and it didn't turn out as well. But, you know, if he signs someplace else for under a million bucks, he's a, he's a you know, that's that's a grand slam home run in the bottom of the ninth of the World Series. <laughs> Especially for the playoffs. I mean, it's insane. I mean, like what he does, I mean, and just his love of the, his, his passion. I heard him talking about the, the pass he got from Cole, from Cole Caulfield on the one goal that he scored. And he was just like, this kid is so fast and so good. And he's like, you know, he's like almost half his age, you know, basically. And he's saying, it just, I have to have my stick down or the puck's going to go through my legs. Like, I know this. I know this. When I'm on the call field, if my stick's not on the ice, the puck's going to go through my legs every time because he's going to pass me even when I don't think he can. And he's just like, that. He's like, so I have my stick down. And he's like, I'm just like, just amazed. I'm trying to skate so fast and trying to play so fast because these kids play so fast. And, and you know, it's it's really fun to see that 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 generation gap a little bit. Um, and that is my theory. Like I've told you guys before, my theory and players coming up now, they're just so trained, trained, they're trained so well to stick handle and play the game quickly that it's astonishing the difference between them and the, and the older players. I, I just love it. I think it's going to be, it's going to be so much fun. Um, now, um, at, yeah. uh, at five thirty, Gary Bettman and, and uh, Bill Daly hold their traditional pre uh, cup final press availability and more than likely, someone is going to ask them about the situation that's going on with the Blackhawks. Yeah. Um, now, Kev, I mean, I read a couple articles, a real good one from Katie Strang and Mark Lazarus from The Athletic on this situation. And this could, this could, get, this could get ugly because apparently, according to the article, what happened is in 2010, a video coach for the Blackhawks um, was – accused of some sort of uh, sexual uh, situation. Uh, The the organization was made aware of it. He was dismissed, but they did not make the authorities, inform the authorities of the situation. And he went on to different places and similar situations occurred. And apparently ownership, the president of the organization, McDonough, Stan Bowman all knew about this. So uh, right now the NHL isn't investigating, but it sounds like there could be an investigation down the line. Well, for sure. And there's two levels here. I mean, obviously there is the, you know, the alleged criminal act um, of the uh, sexual assault. 
Um, and then there's just going to be the Blackhawks behavior. And, you know, always, uh, I shouldn't say always, but too many times um, in these situations, what we uh, discover is, is that somebody knew about it and didn't say anything. Um, and I think that's, that's the issue. I mean, it's unconscionable if that's true, that they knew about it, that they let him move on uh, somewhere else without some record of this happening where, you know, uh, I mean, we know historically that there are, there's evidence that we have le like, you know, uh, serial mm -hmm. predators, uh, essentially. And uh, if they did know something about this and didn't say anything about it, it's unconscionable. Um, and I, I don't know what the league would do about it. Um, but, um, you know, uh, it's just wrong if that, if that occurred. Yeah. And uh, uh, the Blackhawks, according to Mark Lazarus, have appointed a former federal prosecutor to lead an independent review of the allegations. So they're, they're doing their due diligence. But this is 11 years after the fact. And that's the, that's the problem. The problem yeah. is, is that, you know, so I don't know what the NHL is going to do. I don't know if, what they're, how they're going to investigate this. But I, I do know that Bettman and Daly are probably going to be asked by somebody about this. And it's going to be interesting to see the sort of text. response. Is going to, I can tell you what you can tell what the response is going to be. Their response is going to be, you know, we're looking into it legally. We can't discuss it or, or something like that, I think, is what they'll have to say. Because I don't think legally they can discuss it. Like, I think legally it's at that spot where, you know, this is it's, it's kind of, where the authorities are looking into it, we're well aware of it. This this is like typical Batman stuff, you know. Like we're well aware of the situation, um, but legally we can't talk about it. Um, that that's I think that's the only way. They, I think that's the only thing they can say, Captain. I think that's it, right? I mean, that's really it. yeah. No, they'll they'll have to kind of wait till it all comes out. But you know, they they have to address it just because you can't you can't allow that kind of stuff to, to go on and not report it. And you know, you owe it to the rest of the world to. To, For sure. You know, if that guy was uh, doing that there, you had to make sure people were aware of that. Yeah, it's a shame. And it's, it's a shame that, you know, that that kind of thing. We always have something like that. Like when was it a couple of years ago when we did in the cap, it was the Capitals player who was like seen with cocaine. I remember that, that preference. That um, that that came up at the press conference. Yeah. And I remember not even knowing about it at the time. <laughs> I was just covering the game. I'm like, who, who, what now? Cocaine, where? Social media, um, yeah, there's always something like this, um, and uh, you know, just hopefully, hopefully, it's not true, or if it was true, the people who who were affected by it are okay now, or have gotten the counseling they need to get because it's it's, it's terrible, like I said. Um, but that's all the time we have. Um, I think that uh, I appreciate. Now, by the way, rumors, 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 guys, because the, I'm going to give you a little little sneak peek of what I'm working at now, and the Mark Andre Fleury situation is going to be something that's going to be fascinating this summer. Well, I, I, I just because I, I for our column I'm gonna write tomorrow. I did a, I did a little digging on this. Um, Flurry in the final year of his contract, he's a seven million dollar cap hit. The money is six million. If they mm -hmm. bought, if they bought him out, which I don't think they're gonna do, if they bought him out, it would be a two million dollar cap hit for next season and the season after that. That would make me believe that Vegas would be willing to. Uh, retain $2 million to trade Flurry because that's what they're going to take as a cap it if they buy him out. So as him as a $5 million goaltender, I think a lot of people be, would be interested yeah, in that. You're right, Mike. But the problem is he's got a modified no trade clause and he probably won't go to a number of places. So you're going to have to work with him 
to determine where you would be willing. You're going to have to give up a lot for him though. And the places, the kind of places that are going to be after him are the places, kind of places he probably would want to go in this situation. Like I think he's going to, these are teams that are going to have chances, you know, a chance at winning um, teams like Edmonton, Toronto, you know, Toronto, Colorado, uh, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is a big one. And I think a lot for him. What's that? Kevin? Oh, yeah. I don't know if they are going to have to give a lot for him. Yeah, so? the, the money. Vegas needs to clear the money to get. Yeah, but if you have three teams that want them, that's all that matters. Like if you yeah. have, if, if only one team wants them, yeah, you know, well, Pittsburgh. What's your definition? That could a lot. Okay, a lot. Um, uh, like like um, a second round draft, second and a third round draft pick, two picks that, like that. That's not a yeah, lot. That's not a lot. I'm, I, that'll that'll that that could happen. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it's two a second and third. It's, it's pretty good. Yeah, for a goalie, goalie that's your backup. That's your backup goal, or they, they consider oh, it, won't goalie. Be, it won't be the backup if he goes to Edmonton or Pittsburgh or Toronto. If he if he goes to M, all the three teams that you mentioned, yeah. he's yeah. the starter. Yeah, and don't you think that Pittsburgh that this is like the perfect fit? Yeah, for, well, yeah, Flurry, or you know, if it's not him, Freddie Anderson. But you know, I keep seeing that you know the well, you know, you'll bring in this guy and yeah. they'll split. I, I think they're bringing in a guy to start. So. Yeah, well, Flurry showed he can play a zillion games and yeah. and, and not it is his and he just looks so good. I mean, gosh, think about I think the Penguins, you know, could have how far the Penguins could have gone if they had him. I mean, you know how close they 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 came close to getting him apparently in the offseason. So split split the regular season right down the middle between him and Jari, and then he's the goalie in the playoffs. Unless man, and that's just a great story. Unless your unless your plan is to trade Jari to clear the cap space, which could be, but we'll see. I don't yeah, know yeah. what kind of market does Jari hit, but not a lot less than Flurry. I mean, you're yeah, basically yeah. giving him away to get rid of his salary. You're probably getting a fifth round pick or something like that. Yeah, we'll talk more about this for sure in the upcoming days because I have my opinions on whether they should be trading Flurry at all. But that's another talk for another day. Um, and uh, we have much more to get into. And I will be back on Wednesday. I won't be here tomorrow, but I'll be back on Wednesday um, after my red eye. I'll be. I might be a little bit loopy. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Um, because I don't sleep as it is. Um, but thank you, Kevin, so much. And thanks, guys, so much for every for, for filling in. And, and Kevin, for all your great articles that, that we've been putting over in my spot as I've been vacationing here with the family. Um, remember, folks, without the buzz, it's just hockey. We will talk to you tomorrow. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family vgw group no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus